you should be excited about new beginnings. Who's excited about 09 for starters? Who's just going, okay, sirrah, sirrah, 09, I've, I've experienced uh, 1999, I've experienced 89, I've experienced 1979, now that was a year, but 1969, I remember seeing Jimi Hendrix on TV at Woodstock, you know, doing his stuff, and my dad saying, wow, <laughs> times are getting bad. <laughs> and then, and, um, but let's believe this, that this, uh, this 2009 is a whole different year of good stuff happening, God stuff happening. Who wants to be involved in the God stuff? I've got a lot of young people, so I'm, I'm going to work on my feet a little bit here and try and reach the young people because they're here on mats. And I want to say to you, young people, just don't be a zombie and go downstream with all the rest of the crew and crowd because it takes a lot of faith to even come to church to engage in God. It's a miracle to even get youth to engage in God. I meet people all the time that can't even believe that young people would sit in church, even come to church, belong to a church, and even give to the church and even praise God like they do. But we have this youth generation all over the planet that is declaring the praises of God, declaring the anthem of the praises, and shouting that God can do stuff and God can bring order to this planet and that's excellent because God uses voices you know Billy Graham was a voice T.D. Jakes is a voice right now and uh, Dr. Phil is a voice I was watching a bit of him on, on my holidays Dr. Phil he's a sensible guy isn't he we need him in the church is he a God man or what he's quite an influence he's a Baptist I knew it I knew Dr. Phil was a Baptist and we need men like that in the church. So all last year I was declaring, here come the men. And we had never seen so many men saved in the life of the church. And already I'm seeing the men. I've never had men like Chris on the front row and Ali and Daniel and the, and the Hillsong guy. Stand up, buddy. I've forgotten your name. Brad, God bless you, Brad. You're from Hillsong. And uh, it's a little bit, what is this, just like a home group study to you guys, you know? This is just a little gathering, but hey, man, this is a miracle in Tugra, let me tell you. This was the preacher's graveyard, they told me, but uh, I don't know. I think it's can, all things can be done through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? And I know when we first started the church, we leaned into God. We leaned on God. We nailed on His promises. We had this reputation. Oh, those crossroadians, oh, man, they're climbing the wall. They're praying all the time. They're fasting. They're giving all their money to God. And, uh, you know, that. but people didn't realize we were fighting for our life in a town called Wyong. The mediocre Christianity wasn't going to suffice to build a church like this, this vision. Could you imagine the devil saying, oh, here comes these crossroadians. They, they want 11 acres of land. They want to build a, a thousand-seater auditorium. All those girders come out. That wall comes down and we go out in Jesus' name with seats and for the future days of glory. Do you think the devil goes, oh, you know, let him have a go? I think he was on our case right from the start. And that's why we used to go up to Chapman Hill for seven years every Tuesday for an hour, two hours. The, 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 the people of this church used to go up there every Tuesday, hail, rain, shine. We didn't care. We had our umbrellas there and we would go up there and pray because there was devil worshippers up there in the early 90s. And in fact, the high school principal in Wyong said to the kids, he made a, an announcement in the assembly. He said, I can't tell you too much, but there's some shenanigans going up there, up in that mountain, which I can see from here. And don't go up there. There's pentagrams in the car park. There's, there's wax on the rocks, burning candles and these witch people. I don't know who they are. But apparently they left town 
shortly after we set up shop. Uh, set up, amen? And uh, the unfortunate news is they bought a house in a suburb that I will not mention. It could be in your suburb. But uh, so they left and we found out we started to have slowly but surely more of an open heaven and people started to come all from different places, Newcastle, Sydney, even from the nations. We had people come here because of the reputation that God was moving, God was speaking and God's presence was in the house. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's why we had this bit of a reputation that, you know, if you want to just be sensible and if you want to be just comfortable in God, don't go to that church. And, and so, but that's cool because in the end we had a mighty brand of people. We had this, this team, this core group, these people of God that we used to affectionately call Crossroadians. We can't be called like that now because we've changed our name to Christian City Church Tugra, amen. But these Crossroadians were a rare breed of people. They helped us build. They helped us cut through the forest, cutting through the darkness and bringing up water from the river and with our own generator. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what pioneering is about, you know. I saw this documentary of a wagon train and they were literally the horses. This is when the Wild West was won in America. Wagon train with this map that they bought off this guy and, and off they went. There was about 80 wagon trains. And progressively, they started to cut through and over the mountains. And man, the stuff they did, they put the wagon trains on rafts and they got to the other side. And guess what? Just all virgin bush, cut through the bush, cut through the bush. And I'm saying, wow, if that's how the Wild West was one, it's got to be the same with the church because the church is some, so much more significant than a wild adventure because we're cutting through spiritual territories that the devil has owned and the Bible says in Isaiah that we are reallocating or re reassigning desolate places. You know what I mean? We're taking back the land. What's church do? Why do you go to church? Your unsaved friend will go and say to you, Chris, why do you even go to church? Well, one good reason is this, that we're acknowledging God, worshiping God, but we're reclaiming the land for God so that God's goodness, God's light, God's love can, can pervade, so it can prevail in our community. That is a very sensible answer to an inquirer, a seeker in God. Is that a good, is it? Uh, is that why you give? That's why I give. Is that why you, that's why, is that why you go to, that's why. To change the climate in the schools, in the businesses, in the marketplace. And, and, and we do that, and we come as a church to get empowered, and defined in our destiny and who we are. And then in that, Mr. and Mrs. Incredible and kids become superheroes for God. And we do some great exploits for God. Bible says in Joshua, consecrate yourself for tomorrow I am going to do mighty exploits. And I believe we're in the day when all the peoples of the church, all the peoples need to consecrate themselves. I want to tell you, and I'm going to crunch this very quickly, in Numbers uh, chapter 14, if you've got a Bible, we've got this guy Caleb, uh, and I hope you know a little bit about the Bible, but Caleb was a, a radical guy, hung out with Joshua, and he escaped from Egypt. They were held up by an oppressive uh, Pharaoh who is a type of Satan. Let my people go. Moses stood up to him and ten plagues followed. You've seen, who's seen the Cecil B. DeMille movie? Who's seen it? It's great. It still rocks, doesn't it? It's still great. And you've got to watch that. Just kids, watch that. Get through all the dialogue. Get through 
the, the, the effects that are not quite cutting edge, but get through it and you will enjoy it. Trust me. And, and, and so let my people go. Here come the Israelites. They've gone through the sign and wonder of the ocean opening up. They go through on dry ground. Over they go under the inspiration of Moses, the leader. They go over. Now they're in the wilderness, but, but there is a destiny, and that is the promised land. Do you know what I'm saying? It's the promised land. And they get to the edge of the wilderness very quickly, and they are about to go into the promised land very quickly. And this is what happens to born-again believers. They get saved. They come out of darkness. They come into the light, but they come into this zone where I believe in 09, you need to see on the horizon of the promised land. You need to see the more of this Christian life. There is so much more. Trust me, I wouldn't do this job if it was just this. Religion, you know, do your best, go to heaven at the end. <laughs> no, 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 that's, that's not the deal. The deal is for you to be defined in your destiny and your calling and your purpose, to be successful in your life endeavors, to prosper, to carry a smile, a countenance that says, I believe in God. I trust Him with all my heart. And when people look at you, go, my God, I believe it. Tell me more. Tell me more. Amen. And so the world is really looking at us and they're asking us, is it possible to be transformed? Is it possible to come out of darkness? Julie's brother, she went public with it this morning. He's a drug addict. He never pulled out of the 70s. We had a lot of friends that experimented in the 70s. I've lost friends in front of trains. One guy popped a shotgun over a fence at a Canley Heights party. I lost three friends like that overnight. Another friend took his weekend dose of medication, of uh, mor mor uh, not morphine, methadone. In one hit, my best friend woke up to his best friend, Stone Cold, because he shot up all the drugs. And that's called experimenting with your life. You don't want to experiment with your life. Amen? You want to go to the owner's manual and find out how to get through life, find out who you are, what you're here for, and with purpose and with eyes wide open, accept the reality you're on a fallen planet with a lot of stuff coming against you, but empowered in God's spirit, you can cut your way through and find, the Bible says, a broad land, a prospering land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where if you dig with a little bit of work, because nothing's, there's no free rides, you've got to dig, You've got to pray, you've got to believe, you've got to trust in God, you've got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Do I hear an amen? amen? And when you push forward and you get yourself out of the wilderness after you've roamed around religion, the, the, the mountain of religion for some time, you go, my God, there's got to... And you've met many friends that are out there, out of the church, because we got them out of darkness, we got them here, but there was more. And the more is the kingdom of God. The more is the great expanse of your life on the horizon which you should see with vision and you should believe when you start at the year 09 on Wednesday night that your race shall begin again. Just like your day began this morning and the week began and the month began, 09 is going to allow you the gift of new beginnings to begin your race all over again. And you need to be purposeful. So look, all the bad hair days, all the trouble, all the resentment, all the stuff, don't ponder on that. Trade all that in. The Bible says trade in your ashes for beauty, the beautiful life we call it. Amen? 
trade Jesus said, give me that. Yeah, give me that. Give me that. I can take that. You sure you can take this, God? This is terrible. I mean, give me that. You give him all that stuff, all your stuff that's happened, and then he gives you the beautiful life, the beautiful heart, the beautiful mind, and then you're ready to start 09 again in Jesus' name. And life is like a race. Caleb knew this, and here we go. Let me just give you a couple of scriptures at least because my time is gone. All right. Yeah, come on. Give the Lord a hand right there. I hope... No. Okay. I've just realized the time. Let's keep crunching. Here they are. Moses said, it's the promised land. Yes, great. I want 12 people to check it out. Two of the people were Caleb and Joshua. Say Caleb and Joshua. Two were Caleb and Joshua. Extraordinary guys. Joshua we've heard a lot about. Apparently this is the Joshua generation because they're breakthrough believers, this young generation, and they go over. Moses never went to the promised land. He died in the wilderness. But the Joshua generation is the generation, I'm looking at you people, by the way, you Nararians, Baptists, Nararians, and we love you people. We love that church. We've got some sort of connection with it. I don't know how we did, but I think it all stemmed from the Moya family that cooked for our youth camp back in 98, 99, 2000, when your folks offered their services to cook for our huge youth group back then, about 40 kids, and your mum and dad, the Baptist Nararians, helped uh, cook a bunch of great stuff, Greg. You would have been proud of them, man. Hamburgers, sausages, more than that. You know, all that good stuff, all that good, because he's a chef, I know. But look, here they are. Moses says, before we go over, let's buy the land out. Twelve people go over. 12 people come back and Joshua and Caleb says, it's fantastic, man, the milk and honey. And, and it's, it's, man, we could do anything with this land. We could build churches. We can build homes. We can plant, grow, reap a harvest. But the other 10 says, you're kidding? And two guys were carrying this pole with this great big bundle of uh, grapes like this. You said, you're kidding? We're like gra- grasshoppers over there. Look at these grapes, man. Look at these grapes. A huge big cluster of grapes. And they go, man, if that's their grapes, how big are these people? How, bu- uh, how big? And apparently the Bible even says, and big beds. We saw big beds. I think that's so humorous. And they saw big beds. So we're talking about beds about nine foot long. I know we've got some long beds these days. Uh, but these beds were about nine foot. These, these were giants. And, and Caleb, yeah, but that's cool. It's not that bad. But these 10 pessimistic, pessimistic spy reporters, they said, no, we shouldn't go. And Caleb and Joshua, you're just presumptuous. You hyper-faith people leaning on the promises of God. Look, we need to be sensible with this. Let's stay here. And God wasn't pleased. And he said, right, all that generation who doesn't come, who, who's not obedient to me and my word, you're going to die out. And in the end, only Joshua and Caleb were left because they believed and had faith. I hope you're like that for 09. Even though you see friends and family just falling by the wayside, I hope that you have faith to, to just keep walking out this journey. Numbers chapter 14, verse 24 says, But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit. There's a lot of us here that went through revival and saw some great stuff. 
in the land. We saw, man, we went out. Yeah, Crossroadians were those spies that went out. Went, wow, check it out. Wow, revival, nations being saved, history makers, youth rising up. Wow, see it, check it out. And we went back and we went back into a world that just could not believe that this was all possible. But in the end, there's still the Joshua and Caleb generation that surrounds me even right now that still believe that it's all possible. And God was pleased with Caleb's wholeheartedness. Let's look, at, let's look at this. Caleb is one of the unsung heroes of the Bible. He stands as a shining example of one who never lost his edge spiritually. He was faithful to the very end. Himself, he, he himself said at age 85, my dad was at my place, 84, cleaning my pool. Man, he's in the sun. I had to give him a hat because I just felt so... But he's just, for an hour, just cleaning my pool. He's 84. What strength. And the Bible says in Joshua 14, verse 11, I am as strong this day on the day that Moses sent me, that means to the promised land, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, but for going out and coming in. Let's try and look at Joshua where he got some of this. I hope you got a notepad just to jot quickly some... But let's look at some of the spiritual power that Joshua, that Caleb, I should. We're talking about Caleb. And let's look at what made this extraordinary guy. Let's look at the, the scripture in Joshua, um, Joshua 14, verse 6. And he says this to Joshua. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and the Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the, the Canaanite, said to him, You know that the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. Now, Kadesh Barnea uh, is the place where I talked about it was here. It was on the edge of the wilderness, and it was where God spoke to them to go into the promised land. And Caleb's just reiterating some stuff here to Joshua. You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Badia to explore the land. So he's saying I was about 40 then when I went through a revival, when I went to, into that revival. Who, was, who went through revival in the late 90s? Who went through revival? Put up your hand. Yeah. Yeah, some of us did. So Caleb's just saying some stuff like this. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent, from, sent me from Kadesh Badia to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. I brought back a report that said that, that land was good. Stay with your convictions, kids. Stay with your convictions, people. Stay what you know to be true. That's your first lesson right there. But my, verse 8, but my brothers who went up with me made, made the hearts of the people melt with fear. How many people's hearts are melting because of the economy, because of the state of things, because the wind's not quite blowing as hard into the sails of the church right now, maybe. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. I love that stuff. Joshua, in response, Joshua granted faithful Caleb what he asked. And Caleb was asking for this mountain. Caleb would inherit the land he had surveyed. Yet the old man proved he had not yet exhausted his courage and he says in joshua 14 verse 10 now then just as the lord promised he has kept me alive for 45 years so he's gone through all this we call chronos time time of just doing life waiting for all this generation to die out he's waited for that but now all the unbelievers have died out now they're standing now they're standing in the promised land i think so here i am today 85 years old 
I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I... As I this is an 85-year-old guy saying this. He's 85 years of age and he's saying this. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourselves heard then, you yourselves heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. So in this hill that he wants or in this mountain, it's fortified and they're these sons of Anak or something up there. And he says, I don't care about that. I want that mountain because it happens to be the mountain where Abraham was spoken to. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourselves heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he had said. They must have thought Caleb was senile. But this land he's talking about was Hebron. It was not a beautiful green pasture. It was one of the most treacherous mountain areas of the promised land. Worse, formidable adversaries identified as the three sons of Anak lived there and they would have to be routed before the old man could take possession. No one wanted to take them on except an 85-year-old Caleb holding up that muscular arm and saying, give me this mountain. And we know what he does. He runs up the mountain. He overcomes the adversaries and he claims the mountain for God. Who wants to be like that as 85 years of age? This is a radical dude. Where did he get his strength from? He was 100%. And write this down as your number one point. This is what you need to do to finish your race. So 09, I believe, is the start of a new race. How do you scale a mountain? How do you run 09 out? How do you begin this race? Let's look at it. First thing we can learn from Caleb is that number one, he followed the Lord 100%. Scripture says again and again that Caleb wholly followed the Lord. In Joshua 14, verse 8, 9, and verse 14, 2, Joshua blessed Caleb and gave the old man what he asked because he wholly followed the Lord of God. He had spiritual success because he had his priorities set. And in 09, I believe we need to get our priorities set. We need to be in the house. We need to be giving to God. We need to be worshipping. We need to be acknowledged. So much wishy-washy stuff out there. There's people that are just glancing the church. I go to a, one guy says, I go to some coffee uh, club and we do a little gathering on Sunday because we don't believe in the church. And, okay, that's great. And another guy said, we do home cell group. Now, we don't believe in the institution called church. We just three or four of us, we huddle and we just, you know, we just love God too. Okay, okay well, that's great. Another says, we're having a year's break. I met another couple. We're having a whole year's break from church. A whole year's break. I go, okay, there must be annual leave or long service leave. I haven't read that, but you must get that. I want that. I want a year's break, amen? <laughs> no, I don't because I love the house. I can go one week without God. I want His presence. I want to be in the house of God because it's vigorous with the dynamic of the Holy Spirit to invigorate me, to define me, to anoint me. Once I get out here, I'm, I'm slim pickings. And people are out here on the back paddocks of life like little sheep, you know, scurrying around. You know what sheep do? They're so, so dumb that they actually go through wire. Because when they start eating and find a good patch, they will, climb, they will walk and climb under wire. They will go through it and they'll tear themselves to pieces. And you see people out there 
and they're torn to pieces. Wild dogs have mauled their legs. And, and, and they say, no, we're good, man. We're all good. And you don't look good. Where's your glean? Where's your faith? Where's your heart for God? Where's your, where's your, where's your countenance for God? And, and they're out on the back paddocks of life. Do I hear an amen? And you're open for slim pickings. Why does God design the church? Why did Jesus say he would build his church? Because in the covering of the church with good leadership and the protocol of heaven trickling down right through the ranks, you are blessed. This church is blessed. And we become a formidable force for God to bring blessings to Tugra, to Wyong, and to the greater population of the Central Coast. This is C3 Tugra Hotspurs, man. When I played soccer, I played in the backyard, and that was all good. Dad got me by the scruff of neck. You do well, you kick the ball well, but you're coming up to King's Park with me. King's Park, what's that? No, I'm, I want to kick ball with my friends. No, you've done that. Now, now you go up to King's Park, you kick the ball, watch the coach, see your kick, and he'll put you in a team. I was put in a team, I got thrown a jersey, and that was my first introduction to real football. Not soccer, football. And I, got, and I scored goals now. For Canley Heights United, not for, the, not for 11 Rosedale Street, Canley Heights. I was scoring goals for my suburb. So when I saw my friends in the street or saw older people, good, I saw your place, son. You did well. You do well. And I'm going, wow, man, I had old people encouraging me now. I had, I had, I had this significance in life. I was playing for the whole suburb. I wasn't just playing. And some people want to just kick, kick ball in their backyard. And do these little home soul groups, meet in coffee clubs and, and not even go to church. Well, let them do that. But I'm telling you, they're open for slim pickings. I shouldn't have said that, should I? Gee whiz. Gee whiz. Let's go to the second one. My time is gone. Oh, I'd love to say that. Love to say that. Um, chapter 2. Uh, not chapter 2. Point number 2. Don't compromise. Stand your ground. Young people, I'm looking at you. How easy would it have been for Caleb to go along with the crowd? not ruffle anyone's feathers, but he knew what was right. So he stood his ground. And when he came back from the promised land, he says, I'd like to say yes to my brothers and sisters, the 10 others, the, 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 the majority group. But the minority group says, it is good. It is good. Thank God for those people that have got leadership and they stand their ground. He took a stand for, for what he knew was true. He knew he needed to be more concerned with God's approval than man's. And he was rewarded. Family, friends, co-workers, they may mock you. But if you are going to fully follow the Lord, then like Caleb, you must make the principle operative in your life. Don't compromise. Look at me. Don't compromise. If your friends want to hit and miss church and half-heartedly serve God and not give everything to God... Maybe you can't do anything about them. Maybe that's part of their journey to come back to God. Praise the Lord. Three, point number three, take God at his word. Caleb didn't win immediate entrance to the promised land. First, he had to wander around with those ungrateful, complaining Israelites for 40 years. But he, man, man, we're not experiencing the winds of revival like we, but we just don't go home and we don't, we're not experiencing that intensity of God. We're not ignorant of that. We're not, we're not, you know, we're not stupid. We, we know it's not as intensive as it was from 94 to the year 2000 when the planet experienced re revival. But get your sails ready, friends. Get your little boat ready because the sail, the wind is going to blow again and you're going to put up your sails and this church is one of those churches ready for the winds of revival to breathe again. 
And we're going to be ready with our surfboards. With, when that point revival starts breaking again, we've got our wax, we've got our fitness, we've got our boards, and we're going out again, Luke. Trust me, mate. And snorkeling is coming to an end. Surfing is on again. I saw him snorkeling out at Tuum Bay. Caleb didn't, Caleb didn't uh, believe such... Yeah, Caleb hung on to the promises for 40 years. He knew God would be faithful. Like Caleb, we too need to believe the promises. And Jude one twenty four says, To him who is able to keep you from falling, to keep you from falling... Even when you go through the Kronos time, which is just normal time of life. But there comes a time of Kairos time, which is a divine strategic time, prophetic time when God does something, when God turns the table and all of a sudden it's on for young and old and people are being saved, miracles are breaking out. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, to be glory, majesty, power, and authority. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages and now forevermore. Hebrews 12, 2 says, and I love this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the the Father God. Now the fourth one is this, long for fellowship with God. And I love this. Caleb, why did Caleb ask for that mountain? Was there gold in the mountain? Was it good to abseil off the mountain? Because he's a vigorous, healthy guy, 85. He might still be into that, I don't know. Is Is it good for base jumping maybe, Luke? Caleb, he's fighting fit guy, 85. He might be still into base jumping. No, hang on. Let's have a look at it scripturally. Okay. Long for fellowship with God. And that's your fourth one. Long for fellowship with God. Caleb asked for a place in the promised land called Hebron. There is something interesting about that name Hebron, and it goes like this. It's the original language. In the original language, it means fellowship, love, communion. Hebron is where Abraham Abraham met with God face to face and received the promise of the new land in the first place. That's why he wanted that mountain. Here's my point. Caleb yearned for fellowship with God while the other Israelites longed for Egypt. So you're going to have a lot of people longing for Egypt. Well, let's just go back. Yeah, we got saved at that meeting. We got saved at that anti-Kabbalah meeting. We got saved at church. But let's go back, man. Let's go back. You were doing well. You were batting well for the, for the, for the terrible terrible you know wonders and 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 you had a career but but no you you got to you know you had all this stuff let's go back out and and people do that but you need to get your priorities right hebron is where abraham met with god face to face he received the promise of the new land that destiny your destiny here is my point again caleb yearned for fellowship with god while the other israelites long for Egypt. Caleb longed for Hebron. While others wanted to please themselves, Caleb wanted to please God. You can write some of this stuff down. Caleb was always moving forward. 09, we're going to start a race. We're going to move forward. This was the key for this, for his vitality in God, in fact. You have to follow the Lord even when your friends are not youth. If you're living the Christian life for others, you won't make it, youth. You have to follow God yourselves, youth. People are going to let you down, everyone. Circumstances are going to challenge you, everyone. You have to run empowered by your love for God. That is your motive. 
That is the principle you need to stay, stay with. Hebrews 12:1. Lastly, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw everything off that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance into 09. Doesn't say that, but I'm going to put that in there. Perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Say, Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. C3 Tugger, let's start again. Let's begin again. Fresh new beginnings, 09, only a few days left. Are you ready to engage, engage 09? Four principles there. Stay on fire. Stay 100% committed. Don't compromise. Don't compromise. Stay with your true convictions. If, if, it, you know, if, if someone's trying to take you somewhere or jerk you around, stay with your convictions. Stay with your convictions. And you will find yourself. Let's all stand. God bless you. You'll find yourself in God running the race of a lifetime. Oh, nine fresh new